Hello, and welcome to Whatever, with your host, Jonathan French. Thank you for joining today's conversation. Let's get started. so excited to welcome everyone tuning into this very first episode of whatever a podcast with me Jonathan French a podcast where I can cover whatever kind of conversations or topics that might just sound interesting possibly interview friends and family and other professionals that I'm associated with but mainly just to replicate a conversation that I would have with friends and family at a coffee shop and they're just out with people that I would meet through work. So this podcast, you know, based off the title is not about a particular niche. I am a real estate agent. So I thought, you know, I could start a real a pod, a podcast about being a real estate agent. You know, maybe I could start a podcast about why I started a suit business and try to talk about fashion statements and choices and and all that but then I thought how much funner would it be to have a podcast where I could talk about all of it so I didn't have to box myself in to a particular corner but let my conversations be just spontaneous and about whatever just would be fun to talk about and find a way to put my own antidotes into a particular scenario or conversation. So with that being said, I had an interesting situation today, it being election day here in Georgia, November 8th, 2022. I went to my, um, the church that, that, that I always have to go vote in. I walk in with my ID just like normal. I had it ready to go. And after a few minutes, you know, I'm just thinking, oh, they're just having a hard time, you know, they're just going slow. Um, Well, apparently they could not find me as a registered voter, which is disconcerting because I've lived in Georgia since 2011. And voted in the first election cycle in Georgia as a resident in 2012. And I've been registered and never had a, an issue with that until today. So they tell me, you know, we don't we don't see you in the system. Have you moved? Have you had to change your address with the post office or anything to do with altering your, you know, your residence? And I said, "No." Well, a few minutes more go by, they finally pull a supervisor up who um, tries to take me off to the side and help me. You know, granted, everyone's friendly. I wasn't getting 
ugly uh, attitudes from anyone at the polling place. But they couldn't do anything. And so the supervisor said, why don't you go to the My Georgia Voter page and put in your information. Let's see if there's an issue with the status of your registration. So I, I pull it up. And it indeed says I had been canceled. My registration had been canceled, but as a voter, I'd been canceled in my home state. And she could tell that bothered me because I was like, oh my goodness. And she's like, I don't know what to tell you. If you're, you know, you're clearly living here, this is your ID, this is your, um, this is your, you know, proof of residency. Minus the, the issue with my registration. So she has me fill out some paperwork that's going to be turned in that will allow me the opportunity to cast a ballot in a runoff election if that was to happen. Well, that's never a for sure thing. And that would be well into next month if that was to happen. So I start calling my brothers and telling everyone I know, hey, you know, has anyone heard about this? Is anyone having this issue? So my brother Ryan, he sent me a screenshot outside of a polling place, which was very helpful. And it basically had a phone number to call for for Georgia, which is 770-288-6448. Which basically says on this sign, if you have concerns about your voting experience, please call this number. So I did. And I got through to a, basically someone answering the, the phones at, like a, at a desk. And I explained everything. And they said, oh, well, we're going to have to get you to our supervisor. So after almost two hours going back and forth trying to get a hold of someone and not just be stuck in voicemail. I reach apparently someone that could do something. And I come to find out that the Secretary of State had sent a notice telling them that I had moved out of state and was registering to vote elsewhere and was basically no longer living in Georgia. I've I've lived in my home since 2016 and have not as so much as missed mail going to someone else's someone else's house by mistake one time so after several hours trying to figure out what to do I finally was able to go back to the polling location and they did some things and I was able to vote, and according to several of the poll workers in there, that was the oddest thing they had ever heard anyone experience. So, it clearly was something I'm concerned about, but I did indeed get to vote, and I have my sticker on right now that says I voted, so I feel very good. But it was concerning. You know, I'm not you know, saying that this was voter fraud or potential voter fraud. But the lady at the polling location said, well, you know, you have to understand that sometimes, you know, you know, it's human error because 
people are physically typing this information into a database and they, they just got your name mixed up with another person with a similar name or similar spelling. And I wanted to be, you know, facetious and be like, so there is a potential voter fraud problem if all it takes is inputting into some database prior to an election that I've that someone's moved or a group of people have moved and now they can't vote unless they're willing to spend hours and hours and hours calling and explaining the scenario over and over and over again and that's not always something that can be done easily thankfully with the day I had I was able to work it out picking my kids up from school and everything so it worked out but there's a very good chance that if it had been a different day or a different scenario that I wouldn't have been able to accomplish that. So I'm just going to leave it there and leave it at that. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that you hear about and I have never experienced anything that had me question um, a particular voting issue until today. So I'm definitely more aware of it. And I do have a story to tell now. So when my kids are old enough to vote down the road, I'll be able to share my story with them. But on a positive note, one of my favorite things about what I get to do professionally being a real estate agent and um, doing a men's custom clothing. So I, I meet people in, in their homes or their businesses or their office and, you know, a lot of times, coffee shops, like a Starbucks. So I get to go in and sit down and enjoy um, coffee and pastries and all that. And I've gotten to really appreciate cold brew coffee. And through the process of starting to do this intermittent, ah, sorry, intermittent fasting several months ago, which um, they recommend you know, cutting out all the creams and sugars in your coffee. And anybody that knows me personally knows that that was going to be very hard. And most people, including my brothers and even my wife, bless her heart, didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could do it. You know, for the longest time, drinking a coffee hot or cold with no sweetener or any kind of creamer in it, was something I just couldn't hardly do. Well, through determination and a lot of effort, I was able to kick all that out of my diet. And I I can say after months, um, I don't find myself craving the sugars and all the dairy products that used to be in my coffees, which were, you know, making me feel gross and, you know, sluggish. And I have an appreciation for just straight black cold brew coffee. And I'm noticing that I can I can kind of pick up on, you know, where it's from. So like, for instance, Dunkin' Donuts has a very, very bitter cold brew. I can't stand it. I can, I can drink it, but I, I can't stand it. Starbucks, on the other hand, has a very good cold brew. It's, it's softer, it's not near as bitter, and if you stay 
well, also this way, let me say it this way. Life hack. I found out that if you order a cold brew or a tea um, and you, you're sitting in the store and then you go up and ask for a refill, they will give you a refill for free as long as you scan your app. When you pay for it, you scan your app for the rewards and then you go back up to the counter and say, I need to do a refill and scan your app. They will give you basically four bucks because a cold brew and a grande in Starbucks right now is a little over four bucks. So, life hack. You don't have to pay for it multiple times. If you have a cold brew, um, or I think just regular, just black coffee, um, or like a tea, like a hot tea. So, if you didn't know that, you know it now, and you're welcome for that. But, this is also the season being November, fall, going into the Thanksgiving season where everybody is drinking this pumpkin spice stuff. My sister-in-law, Rachel, loves it. My brother, Nathan, loves it. You know, I I just can't get on board with pumpkin spice. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it ever did to me that I you know, whatever raw emotions that it stirred up inside of me that I, I can't seem to let go with it. But I've, I can't recall a time that I ever liked it. So it's, it's, it's not been a love-hate relationship. It's been a pretty much always despise it relationship with pumpkin spice in anything. And so I thought, instead of just ragging on pumpkin spice and like just why it's so big I just kind of thought I'd dig into when pumpkin spice kind of made its way into you know the public arena and when it became such a phenomenon so allrecipes.com has a section says what is pumpkin spice and in a nutshell it says pumpkin spice originally known as pumpkin pie spice is typically made with a blend of ground cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, cloves, and occasionally allspice. It doesn't actually have any pumpkin flavor in it. However, it is used to flavor a pumpkin pie, which is likely how it got its name. Okay, so it's kind of false advertising. Okay. So, then it goes on to say, The very first pumpkin pie made by American settlers in the 1600s included a version of pumpkin pie spice, which was referred to simply as spices. Many other recipes throughout the years called for pumpkin pie spice, but there wasn't a universal recipe or store-bought spice mix until much later. So I, I guess we need to go jump ahead a while here. It goes, it goes on to say that McCormick introduced the first commercial pumpkin pie spice in 1934. And the blend is still sold today, dear Lord. After its launch, and still to this day, McCormick published recipes featuring his pumpkin pie spice. Okay, well that's great. But I wanted to know, since we're talking about coffee and coffee shops and Starbucks specifically, why and when, you know, this, you know, caught on so well? Well, it says... Starbucks on Wikipedia 
says that Starbucks started developing the pumpkin spice ah, pumpkin spice latte in January 2003, following the successful introduction of winter seasonal drinks such as the peppermint mocha and the eggnog latte. Basically, this article goes on to say that it was a massive success, and from 2003 at its introduction through 2015, it sold a massive 200 million individual lattes with the pumpkin spice in it. And then later it says that from 2015 on, they started messing with the ingredients and they started adding a pumpkin pie flavored syrup and uh, they've developed what it is now. And that um, through the Starbucks integration of pumpkin pie spice, it it started um, this huge phenom with like cereals and all these other industries, even candles and Dunkin' Donuts and M&Ms, all these items that now feature pumpkin pie spice, all basically came into it on the heels of Starbucks. So that that is horrifying, in my opinion. Because to me, it just it's just gross. And oddly enough, I don't actually hate pumpkin pie. You know, I, I actually like pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin bread and pumpkin loaf bread and pumpkin this and that. I, I like pumpkin desserts, but pumpkin pie spice in these drinks is just odd to me. So I can't really get my head around it. And I'm sure that my sister-in-law and if she hears this she'll she'll have something to say about it it's a cold brew but it's the pumpkin spice cold brew so it's like this cold foam pumpkin spice flavored stuff and it you know you stir it in and you know honestly that's actually not so horrible so I can tolerate that it's not quite as horrible as like a pumpkin spice latte is or these other items Um, they always give me a hard time because they they know that I I hate it. So when I take a drink of something, and I it it, it makes me just like shiver with disgust. They 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 get a kick out of it. But you know, I will say that I'm getting more and more where the commercialization of Starbucks is kind of getting on my nerves. I mean, it always has been ever since it went public. It became a publicly traded company. It, it, I mean, obviously had to do certain things to grow and to maintain its size and its demand. But I'm getting more and more where, um, at least the Starbucks is near me, where I live here in Georgia. The two main ones that I'm at the most often, and I meet clients and, you know, just friends and family in the most, They've they've shifted from this environment where you'd go in and it would be like super chill coffee house music where it'd be, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, some of y'all probably know what I'm talking about. It'd be like, like, like cool, like classical guitar stuff and like instrumental, like actual music to now, at least here locally again, it is turned into like, like bar music where it's so loud one I can't I can't take a phone call if I'm sitting inside 
even with like my noise canceling headphones on, I mean, someone on the other line will tell me they they can't hear what I'm saying, but can hear the song clearly. And that um, they they tend to position the speakers now in these remodels where you're sitting in front of the speakers. So instead of having the speakers situated strategically through the store to like let the sound kind of come, you know, evenly throughout the whole space, they've they've isolated all the music one direction and they seat you directly in front of those speakers and they're very generous with the volume button. So that has me um, just through mainly necessity now trying to do work and things like that to find an alternative to, you know, escape the chaos of that. So locally for y'all local to McDonough, Georgia, y'all probably heard of this coffee shop. If you haven't, I'm going to change your life. This coffee shop is called Queen Bee Coffee and it sits in the McDonough Square. And it is just uh, a classic example of a local, like just staple community business. It's been around, you know, not a, not a really long time, but it's family owned, it's, it's locally owned, it's not a chain. And they have this really cool, like they converted this old house into this coffee shop. And they have pictures on the wall of the owners when they were bringing contractors in and designing certain things and figuring the layout out and utilizing the space the best you can. And um, they, they, they achieve something that I think every coffee shop that's not a local um, you know, business lacks is this sense of community where it's not just about funneling as many clients and customers as you can, which obviously is the goal as a business owner is to get as much business as possible, but also to create a space where people want to come and can spend time. And I think Starbucks has abandoned that because it's not about wanting people to stay inside anymore. It is definitely turned into just a roll in and roll out format and and a perfect example of why I think this is the case is because the new Starbucks directly by my house is literally five minutes down the road has redesigned the interior it was closed for months and when they reopened it they they reduced half of the seating so like now you can see less than half as many people as you could before Everybody basically sits right next to each other on like a a long, like bench style seating along the windows. All the speakers are in the corners kind of facing you. And there's some smaller tables, but nothing is like super comfortable anymore. And it used to be that you'd walk into a Starbucks and you expect to have like a couch and like a comfortable like sitting chair because people would want to come in and sit down and relax. I feel like they are deliberately trying to alter the environment of their stores. And that's sad because Starbucks are everywhere. So if I'm out in California visiting my family, um, my in-laws, uh, 
Pharaoh's family or, you know, just anywhere. Like I feel like over time that that will be the new norm and, you know, having a chain, you know, that's everywhere shift its comfortability um, for a professional that wants to go in there and sit down and just, you know, get something done. It's, it's not comfortable anymore. But, but local coffee shops keep at it, keep, you know, endeavoring to, you know, be community focused. And I think that's why this coffee shop, Queen Bee Coffee, has been able to stick around even through all the COVID and all the inflation we've been experiencing is because it has established itself well in the community that it planted itself in. Because uh, not only does it have the coffee shop where you go order and they make everything and their pastries are amazing and they have they have seating in there, but they also have like a little like uh, garden courtyard. That's really, really nice, especially when it's nice and chill outside. Like this is the perfect time of year to go out there and sit down. But they also acquired the building next door and remodeled it to where it, it's like a whole lounge area. It has tables, you know, like raised bar areas to sit down with a computer and it has it has chairs and uh, couches so it definitely leans into come sit down and have a conversation and there is music in there but it's very quiet it's almost non-existent so i definitely recommend you try them out and uh, just Look for a local coffee shop wherever you are and give them your business. You know, support them, you know, because they're, you know, once they're gone, Lord forbid, you know, it's going to be, you know, whatever kind of club scene Starbucks decides to turn their stores into. So, you know, thank you again for joining me on this very first episode. And I look forward to having many other conversations. And I will catch you on my next episode. Bye-bye.